I want us to really just consider in our lives anyone that we've thought about blaming or we have blamed, including God, for situations that maybe are your responsibility. Has anyone ever been there? Yeah, let's have some honesty in the house today. Ever gone, oh, why God? Yeah, those moments happen in our lives. So just by way of an introduction, most of you know that I'm a twin. So my brother and I were very, very good at blaming each other for stuff that the other one did so that we didn't get in trouble from my mom. The problem is my parents worked that one out quite quickly that we're both blaming the other so neither could get in trouble, right? Because if you don't know who did it, you can't really blame both. It's not fair, right? But blaming people is something that we are all very, very good at, whether we admit it or not. Think about when you're at school. Maybe you didn't do too well in some of your exams or some of your grades or sports day or different things. We will blame anything and everyone except ourselves. So I want us to take some time for reflection here today because let's be clear, the blame game is a Christian illness. It's a Christian illness. Think about times where we felt compelled to perpetually blame others when our lives maybe isn't going the way that we want it to. This is triggered by mindsets where we don't want to take responsibility for our situations and we find our lives are affected by our environment, our, our um, experience and our exposure. And like any illness, there are always blatant outward symptoms. Continued unawareness of your own mistakes. Excuses. I had an excuse at school for grades on why I didn't do well. I had an excuse for why I had an excuse. Yeah? Ever been there? Let's open the Bible and see what happens when we, look, when we have excuses. Luke 14, verse 18. It's the story of the great banquet. Luke 14, verse 18, from 15 to 24 is the portion of Scripture. But Luke 14, 18, but all the guests made excuses. The first one said, I have just bought a field. I must go and look after it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen. I must go and try them. Please excuse me. The third person said, I've just got married. I can't come. That's not a bad excuse, I guess, but it's an excuse. The problem is it's prevalent in our culture today that we have excuses for every area in our lives. And it's also down to the rebellion that we can find in our hearts. So our ability to elaborate, uh, construct elaborate stories for excuses where we blame the totality of a situation on the other person or we fall into victim mentality. It's all working against me. So some learning outcomes for us today. I want us to really self-reflect Think about situations in our own lives. Maybe we can start with family. If you're in a relationship, start there. Friends, people that you're close to, and assess the way that you communicate. Assess the way that you engage in those relationships. Because I want us to identify patterns of thinking that trigger us to blame other people. And then work through those triggers to resolution so that we can accept personal responsibility for our own actions. And then we need to learn to embrace our own shortcomings and insecurities and we do that by recognizing who we are and who we are not. But what does blame actually seek to do? In short, it looks to hold other people responsible for our own shortcomings. It paralyzes our spiritual learning outcomes. We blame the teacher, the trainer, the mentor for not helping us enough to pass the test, to learn the job or the skill, or to grow quickly enough. We find fault with our equipment. We find fault in our circumstances, in our situations. We criticize the environment. We might even criticize our cell leader, the pastor, because we're not growing in our walk with Christ quickly enough. Finding fault is at epidemic proportions in today's 
society. Pick up a newspaper, you will see blame is listed absolutely everywhere. And we blame ourselves sometimes for thinking that we're not good enough. God is not looking for people with a perfect success rate. He's looking for people that will recognize that the greater one lives inside us. And if we are willing to learn and to grow with him, then we can make the changes. If we do not take personal responsibility for our lives, the Bible is very clear. No sermon from me will ever not have a proverb. Proverbs 19 verse 3, when a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart will rage against God. And we've all been there. Yes, I'm sure we've all been there where things don't work out. And who's the first person to be blamed? Usually God. Why did you allow this to happen? Why did you not allow this to happen? Why did you say that? Why did this situation arise? Because we are angry in that moment against God and his plan and his purpose for our lives instead of actually recognizing that maybe we had a part to play. When we take responsibility for our actions, we move forward. And the way we take responsibility for our actions is to start with our thoughts. Our thinking will dictate our behavior. Our behavior will dictate our outcomes. So you have to trace it back to your thinking. So let's start with what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. Bring your thoughts, part B. Bring your thoughts captive in obedience with Christ. So the implication there is naturally our thoughts wouldn't be in obedience with Christ. And we can go off on tangents and different trains of thought where we can allow ourselves to think that we know best for our lives. But the question is, where did blame originate from? Unfortunately, we've got to go all the way back to Genesis 3. It started in the garden. And there's a reason that we're good at the blame game, because the excuse making began then, and it still continues to the present day. Let's look at Genesis 3. If you have your Bibles, Genesis 3, verses 11 through 13. Genesis 3, 11 through 13. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded that you should not eat? Then the man said, the woman whom you gave me to be with, she gave me of the tree and I ate. Ladies, does that sound familiar? Married people, married ladies, does that sound like something your husband would say, like he's blaming you for something, right? And then the Lord said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So what's going on there? There's a whole lot of blame shifting going on. Nobody is wanting to take responsibility. The first person to be blamed is God. Second person to be blamed is? Talk to me. So careful. <laughs> I don't want to be doing marriage counseling after the service. It's always the man. Yeah. Is that a word of knowledge? Is that a, is that a cry for help? What is that? <laughs> don't say anything. The reality is there's a whole lot of blaming going on because nobody in that moment's wanting to take responsibility. But let's look at what happened the moment after they'd eaten the fruit. To the untrained eye, it still looks paradise, still looks great. They've just eaten the fruit. Adam probably got a little smirk coming across his face, but he realizes there that something is fundamentally wrong. Adam blamed Eve for his sin. Eve then blamed the serpent. Who is actually at fault? Adam, Eve, the serpent? It happened very fast. He looks at Eve and he notices something that he's never seen before. She doesn't have any clothes on. 
That's a shock to him. He then looks down and he realizes that he too hasn't got any clothes on. Then he thinks we better cover up, right? But where did that thought come from? It comes from a mind that's just had a first encounter with sin. They had never worn clothes before because they didn't know that they were naked. The shame of nakedness is the first result of the fall. The first result. And the natural inclination will be to cover it up, to hide from your shortcomings, to hide from your insecurities, to hide from your inferiority complex. And we usually do that by blaming other people because that's an easier option to do. Sin will first bring shame. And with shame comes the disgrace of being uncovered. But then there's footsteps, right? They hear footsteps in the garden. What's happening? The Lord is walking in the cool of the day and they hide themselves. Now, who told them to hide? Nobody told them that they had to hide. No one told them that they had to do that. Their guilty conscience condemned them to that. That is the state of man even today. After they had sinned, they decided to hide from God's presence because they thought that they could hide their sin or their shame from God. The best way to deal with your problem is not to blame other people for it, but is to bring those issues to God so that he may help you deal with them. Don't avoid God's ways of maturing you. Don't avoid God's ways of dealing with the situations. However, now disobedience is starting to bear fruit. Where they once enjoyed unbroken friendship with God, now there is sin separating them. Hiding from God is the second result of the fall. The shame followed by hiding. We will find ourselves in every situation, if we don't want to address the issues in our lives, we will hide from them. Psychologists say there's three Fs, fight, flight, freeze. Most of us, most of the time, will do flight. Because we don't want to address the issues that are in our heart. We don't want to address the condition of where we actually are. So we will flee, we will hide, we will do anything to not uncover what we think is a situation that's going on in our heart. But now the truth starts to come out. When God calls for Adam, he says, I heard you in the garden, but I was, afra I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. There is no shame in nakedness as long as there is nothing to hide. But once sin has entered the picture, they cannot face God uncovered. So the question, have you eaten from that tree that I've commanded you to eat of, the woman that you've put me here with, she gave me something to eat. That is buck passing. That is everyone on a little round robin blaming the person next to them for what is actually your decision. Blame it on the woman. If that doesn't work, blame it on God. We minimize our guilt by making other people look bad. Anyone ever done that? I have, I have a twin brother. He got blamed for a whole bunch of stuff growing up. A whole bunch of stuff. Because it was easier to blame him than for me to take responsibility. Because I didn't want to take responsibility for the state of my behavior and my actions and my inability to take responsibility for my life. And you will have decisions to make today about whether or not you want to take responsibility. Or you can pass the buck. It's entirely your choice. Whichever option you do choose will dictate and will determine how much you grow in your walk with God, how much you move forward in the things of God. But still the story isn't over because God then turns to Eve and asks her, what is this you have done? And what's her reply? The serpent deceived me and I ate it. Now, do you know what's tricky about those two answers? Is they're both technically correct. That's how blame creeps in because they're both technically correct. They told the truth. Adam told the truth, and he said that Eve had given him the fruit. Eve told the truth when she said the serpent deceived her. Both of them were making excuses of avoiding personal responsibility. And as long as Adam could blame Eve, he didn't look quite so bad. 
And as long as Eve could blame the serpent, she looks like an innocent victim. Blaming others is the third result of the fall. So I want you to consider in your lives this afternoon, maybe you can get your pens out or your iPads or whatever, think about some people that you blame for some stuff recently. Yes, we're going to do some work today, amen? We're going to do some work. We're going to move forward from this so that we don't end up on this carousel of blaming absolutely anyone and everyone for why we're making some of the decisions we're making. So I want you to consider some people that you blame. I guarantee you it will be people close to you. Right? It's not going to be the guy in Starbucks that didn't put the extra shot in your coffee this morning. It's going to be people close to you that have seemingly let you down or not achieved what you've wanted them to in your particular relationship. And rather than you engaging with them in conversation and trying to break down the barriers, break down the presuppositions that we can have to these situations, it's easier just to blame them. Oh, it's their fault. They did this, so that caused me to do that. But actually, you are responsible for your actions, and we need to really take responsibility for that, because if we don't, we do not move forward in our walk with Jesus Christ. Jesus came to set us free, to give us freedom in our mind, freedom in our body, freedom in our heart, freedom in every single area of our lives. And the way we do that is by knowing who we are, who we're not, but also recognizing patterns of our thinking and our behavior, defaults. So if you grew up where mom always blamed dad growing up, chances are if you're the guy, you're in a relationship, you're going to blame your girlfriend or your wife all the time. Why? Because that's what you saw growing up. Equally vice versa, the other way around. But yet we can walk in freedom from that. The tendency to blame others is deeply ingrained in the human nature. Adam and Eve started it, and you can go right through Scripture. You can see story after story after story of other people blaming other people for what they did or they didn't do. I want you to write down some names this afternoon. I'm serious, I'm dead serious. I want you to write down some names of some people that you have blamed for some stuff. Could be mom, could be dad, could be a partner, could be your father, I'm, I'm, I don't know. And I want you to think, why did you blame them? Is it because it was easy? Is it because they were closest? Is it because you expected the most from them? And then ask yourself, what are you going to do about correcting that? Because God wants that corrected. We're not called to live in this state of blame game. That's what the world does. The world says, abdicate responsibility. If it feels right, do it, right? The world teaches us that. The Bible clearly teaches against it. The Bible teaches us to take responsibility, to embrace who we are, to be honest about our shortcomings, recognize where we're falling short, seek God's help, seek God's counsel, because otherwise we will just go from challenge to challenge, from situation to situation, from broken relationship to broken relationship, or even worse, broken marriage to broken marriage. And we will always see people with the lowest common denominator. We will always see the worst in someone rather than seeing for who they are in Christ. And that's an, a very dull life, a very unhealthy life to live at. Second, it tells us left to ourselves, we will do anything to avoid taking responsibility for our actions. Now, you've got to understand, I'm studying for my theology degree right now, but I have a master's, or I had a master's, I, I burnt it at the foot of the cross, in, in not taking responsibility, yes? So when I got my GCSE results, it's got my name next to it, it's got a whole bunch of letters. The letters were not the numbers, the letters they should have been. And you know what I did? I blamed my brother. Well, you're comparing me to my brother. He didn't affect my GCSE results. He didn't even sit half the modules that I sat. 
then who do you blame? Well, the teachers, they didn't teach me very well. I wasn't in the class half the time, so, you know, can't really blame the teachers. So what else do you blame? You blame the fellow pupils, don't you? And then you just run out of people to blame, right? I don't know about you, but I've been in many, many situations, even since then, where you just run out of people to blame, and then you are left facing the harsh, blunt, blatant reality that it's me, (laughs) and you have to address it. That's where the rubber hits the road. That's where the choice comes that you either address the issue in front of you or keep making excuses. How's that working out for you? Still failing your GCSEs and your A-levels? One or two of us, not sure. We're not called to live like that. We're called to live in freedom. We're called to live in victory. And it starts with being honest about where we are at. And if we take responsibility and we stop blaming other people, then you move forward. And it's very easy for me to see how you're doing in your walk with God, because to the measure with which you blame others, that is the erosion of your relationship with Christ. It's a mirror reflection. So if you only blame others like this much, then that's probably how much less you are walking in your journey with God. But if you're blaming everyone and anyone for all your responsibilities, then you probably don't trust God a whole lot because you're finding it easier to blame the people that are sitting in front of you, your colleagues at work, your brothers, your sister, the auntie, anyone, blame Pastor Colin, whoever, me, doesn't matter, anyone that's not you, basically. That's that's the approach. And yet that's not what we're called to live in. The third thing is that usually God is the first person to be blamed. Why? Because we have our highest expectations in him, don't we? And so when he seemingly lets us down, then it's easy just to go straight to him. Oh, why God? And yet I argue Theologically, I think I've got this right. We should never worry as Christians because Christians that worry suffer from temporary atheism. If God is all-knowing, God is all-powerful, God is the Alpha, the Omega, he knows the end from the beginning, then why do we worry? We're saying in that split second that we don't trust God. And yet, actually, we should, we could, and we need to. Blaming others is nothing more than a subtle twisting of the truth in order to take the pressure off ourselves. You know, that was something I was an expert at. I don't know if any of you guys are. I would create enough doubt that you couldn't, like, totally blame me. It was not, like, 100% decisive that that was me. I did that. But there was always enough evidence that would indicate that that was me. And that's often how we can perceive our relationships with each other, our relationships with God. We will just create enough doubt that Maybe this is not my fault, or maybe this is not my responsibility, so let me start bringing in this person and that person. Well, he said this and she said that, and that creates enough confusion. You know, we smoke some mirrors, and then all of a sudden, you come out smelling of roses, or it doesn't mean, make it quite so obvious that it's totally you. But when we take a long, hard, sober look at our lives, and we embrace the fact that we are falling short on occasions, we don't live out our best lives, we don't always do the right thing, we can then find ways of moving forward in our relationship with God. Blaming others will always make you sad and upset. It will leave you feeling guilty, it will leave you feeling full of shame, but good news is that God is a loving God and God is a forgiving God. 1 John 1 verse 9, if we confess, free will, if we confess, so it has to come out of our mouth, we can't just think it, If we confess that we have done wrong, there's a promise to embrace. God will forgive us. And I believe genuinely, as I was preparing the last few days for this, that there are people in this room that have blamed other people for stuff that they actually haven't done. 
And forgiveness, when we think about Christianity, forgiveness is like the next word that should come out of our mouth after Jesus because of everything that he did at the cross. And that's why I've wanted you guys to try and write some names down of some people that maybe you've blamed, lashed out at, maybe you've just found it easy to, to give them the guilt and the shame and everything else that maybe you should have embraced for what you did or didn't do. And yet here it's very clear, if we confess that we have done wrong, God will forgive us. That's the promise. And I believe that some of us here should be picking up the phone tonight, should be making an appointment to see someone and releasing that forgiveness, removing the blame that we have attached to that person all persons in our lives. And you will find liberty, you will find freedom, you will find healing, you will find wholeness. All the hurt and the pain that we put on ourselves and others around us will be forgiven. All the guilt can be removed, the shame taken away, and we can walk in healing and we can walk in joy knowing that we're now pleasing God. But it starts with taking responsibility for our own actions. It starts with, instead of blaming others, we actually take that responsibility. And in doing that, we walk in the freedom and we walk in the joy that God has for us as sons and daughters of the Most High God. Because the Bible is very clear, whom he sets free, he sets totally free. There is no like partiality to that. There is no time limit to that. It's totality of, of freedom. And there's no freedom in our hearts, friends, if we are continually finding ways to find fault in others. Your light does not shine brighter by you trying to put out the light in the person next to you, i.e. you blaming them for something maybe you did or didn't do. And I did that, and I, I did that for years, and it got tiring, it got boring, it got frustrating, and then I came to the realization one day when the, the, the young guy that was leading, that had led me to the Lord, was discipling me, he said, when are you going to take responsibility? And that was just an epiphany moment for me, where it's like, okay, now it's time to grow. Now it's time to take responsibility. And in that began a journey and a process, and it's not gonna happen overnight but you can walk in that freedom. So when we stop blaming others and we stop blaming God, we see others for who they are. Yes, amen. We see them full of hope, full of joy, full of faith. We see them for who they are in Christ, but not only that, we see God for who he is. That he is your perfect father, irrespective of what happened in your childhood, irrespective of how badly or not you may or may not have done in your GCSEs and A-levels, right? He is bigger than that. He is bigger than your biggest source of shame. He's bigger than your biggest regret. He's bigger than your biggest failure. He's bigger than your biggest problem even right now. We should be taking heart and encouragement from that today. We should not be blaming the people closest to us. We should go to the Lord, present it to him, walk in wholeness, walk in healing, walk in freedom, walk in victory, but recognize that we need to take some action steps. So the learning outcomes for us today are What's the triggers? What are the triggers in your mind? So if I made a statement that was provocative, some of you may, that might trigger rejection, that might trigger fear, that might trigger doubt, that might trigger offense. What's the cause of that? And then where did it come from? Because you didn't learn that overnight. That happened from your childhood or, or some experience, a negative experience. And negative experiences, by the way, always have a date, a time, and a place, every time. So if you've ever, I don't know, had a, like a broken, broken up from a relationship, you would know where you broke up and what day and all the rest of it, right? If, if your mom or dad died, you would know exactly the day that they, they passed away. It's always a negative experience. We'll always have those details to it, but you need to trace it back. 
because the fruit is blaming others, but there is a root to it. And if you just cut it off at soil level every time, you'll stop blaming people for a while, but then it will start again in three months and six months. And that's not what God has for you. That's not freedom. That's bondage. That's living in limitations. God wants us free. God wants us whole. He is the king of glory in every part of your lives. Amen? Yeah? Amen.